Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And welcome, everybody, to the Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. Hey, I got to tell you, the band bringing it strong to the rack, as they say in basketball. A lot of energy from the band today, the Memorial Day holiday, clearly uh, helping the band. That's what I call them, the band. I don't know who's in the band, uh, but I think we pay them pretty well. Uh, I'm told we pay them a union rate, whatever that uh, rate is going for nowadays. Hey, uh, before we get going, I don't want to bury the lead. So on a personal note, can I just give you the pod's honest truth about my weight? I've lost 22 pounds. Thank you very much. I know, I know. You don't care about like world peace. You don't care about the coronavirus. You don't care about Donald Trump and the future of this country. You wake up every morning wondering to yourself, hey, how is David Brody doing on his diet? And I so do appreciate that. Uh, I've made it a tier A issue. You have too, clearly at home. It doesn't translate well in the podcast. We'll have to get some video with the podcast. But when we have video, boom, uh, you'll, you'll be checking, checking the tier A issue out there. Uh, yeah, I'm down 22 pounds. It's all about the net carbs, by the way. You got to be under 50, uh, but it works. I feel great. I mean, my, my IQ, I, I feel sharp. My IQ is probably about 45. It may be north of 50. I don't know. Um, I feel younger. I'm wearing my jeans now down at my knees like the younger crowd. Hey, no, I'm not doing that. Um, but I feel physically fit. Um, I do, I don't know, about four and a half push-ups a day. So, hey, all in all, I'm just killing it, folks. I'm not eating cereal, pasta, bagels, all the big carb stuff. I'm putting that in the never eat category. And oh, by the way, ding, ding, ding. Speaking of never eat, what a great transition to our podcast topic today, the state of the never Trump movement. We've got two great interviews for you today. Conservative leader Eric Erickson is going to be on to discuss why he is no longer a never Trumper. And then there's Tim Miller, the former Jeb Bush communication guru. I just like saying it like that. Uh, he'll also be here to explain why he is still firmly a never Trumper and what that looks like today. So where are we in the movement today with these never Trumpers? Well, in two, 2016, there was a lot of fanfare about it. Uh, here's an audio representation. Listen to this. Yes, right. I mean, the, the trumpet, right? There was a lot of fanfare. All right, now in 2020, let me give you an audio representation as to where the Never Trump movement is in uh, right now within the Republican Party. Yeah, that's right. Not so good. Not so powerful. Now, don't be fooled. That doesn't mean that they haven't taken their act elsewhere and more on that in a moment. Uh, we know that ultimately they were not successful in 2016. They couldn't stop Trump. And now in 2020, they're a much smaller group. That is what we know. Many of them have basically decided to support Trump, leave the movement because he's actually governed as a conservative. And we're going to talk to one of those people, Eric Erickson, in just a little bit. Uh, the movement tried to get like high profile Republicans to run against Trump. They tried to get Maryland Governor Larry Hogan. Uh, that didn't work. So basically, the polls are showing that more than 90 percent of Republicans support the president, just like they did in 2016. There really has been no uh, dent 
in that figure. So where are where is the movement today? Well, in essence, this smaller band of Republican centrists is what they would call themselves, the, the never Trumpers. They've really morphed into Democrats light or put another way. They're, they're former Republicans who now support Joe Biden. And we're going to hear from one today, as we said, Tim Miller, who will talk about his support for Joe Biden. Uh, that, that's an interesting story in and of itself. Uh, the website 538, you've probably heard of it, it tracks all things statistics. It says this, and I want to read this quote. It says, it is possible that 5 to 10% of the people who will vote for Biden in November backed either Romney in 2012 or Trump in 2016 and at some point identified as conservative or Republican. So while never Trump conservatives are a smaller and less formal constituency in the Democratic Party, than black voters, for example, some of them feel exiled from a Republican Party dominated by Trump, backed the Democrats in the 2018 midterms and participated in the 2020 Democratic primaries. And folks, that is true. Uh, in essence, what we are seeing here is a, is a morphing of the never Trump movement. They basically ditched the Republican Party. They're trying to make a dent as a centrist group in the Democrat Party. Basically, they're trying to keep Joe Biden in those centrist roots that he had, I don't know, maybe just a few years ago. Um, anyhow, rather than pull uh, that pull to the left that uh, Biden is experiencing right now. Uh, the Washington Post had an op-ed uh, written by some never Trumpers, and it was actually a pro-Biden op-ed. And here was the title. We're never, we've never backed a Democrat for president, but Trump must be defeated. And here's what they wrote. This is from Never Trumpers in the Washington Post. Quote, publicly supporting a Democratic nominee for president is a first for all of us. We are in extraordinary times and we have chosen to put country over party. And former Vice President Joe Biden is the candidate who we believe will do the same. Biden is now the presumptive Democrat nominee and he has our support. Biden has the experience, the attributes, and the character to defeat Trump this fall, unlike Trump, for whom the presidency is just one more opportunity to perfect his narcissism and self-aggrandizement. Biden seems, Biden, excuse me, Biden sees public service as an opportunity to do right by the American people and a privilege to do so. So that is the mindset of the Never Trump movement moving into 2020. So who are we talking about here? I mean, let's name names. Can we do that? Uh, who are some of these never Trumpers, the diehards that are out there? Well, you have the Lincoln Project, right? So the Lincoln Project has been running uh, this ad called Morning in America. It blasts the president over what they call a botched response to the coronavirus. Um, and Morning is spelled M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. In other words, uh, America is mourning Trump's uh, response because it's been so horrific, according to the Lincoln Project members. Who are these folks? George Conway. Oh, <laughs> Kellyanne Conway's husband. Uh, Steve Schmidt. Uh, he was the one says, you know, a top aide to John McCain. There's John Weaver. He was a top aide to uh, Kasich, uh, Kasich, excuse me, Rick Wilson. He was a former Republican strategist. So these are the folks that are kind of behind the Lincoln Project. has got a lot of media ink out there. Then there is The Bulwark, uh, excuse me, The Bulwark. Uh, it's an online site, a podcast uh, directed by Charlie uh, Sykes. Uh, and then you got Bill Crystal there and Tim Miller, who we'll speak to here in just a moment. Um, he, he's part of that group as well. And then you have politicians like Jeff Flake, even Mitt Romney, uh, you would consider to be to a degree in that never Trump movement. To, to a degree, he might go full throttle here soon. You never know. And then in the media, it's all over the place, right? You got David Brooks, you got Jennifer Rubin. Uh, over at the Washington Post, you got Michael Gerson, George Will, Max Boot, all these folks. And we haven't even gotten to Joe Scarborough and Nicole Wallace. All of them 
are in that never Trump camp. All right, we're going to dissect it all when we come back. We're going to talk with an ex-Never Trumper, Eric Erickson, next on The Pod's Honest Truth. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. And welcome back to the Pod's Honest Truth. Hey, just a reminder, if you like what we're doing here at Just the News, I want you to check out great deals and products at our new store called Just the News Shop. You can uh, go to the website and guess what? It's a It's a wonderful original title. It's jtnshop.com. Hello. It can't be that hard. Look, if I can figure it out, you can figure it out. jtnshop.com. And it goes to support our journalism. Hope you will check it out. All right. Time now for our interview with Eric Erickson, a conservative leader. He's editor of The Resurgent. He's host of The Eric Erickson Show. That's a tongue twister. Not really. Uh, anyhow, he's host of The Eric Erickson Show. I said it twice on WSB Radio down in Atlanta. He's been on CNN, Fox. You've seen him uh, everywhere. He's been on NBC's Meet the Press, uh, even HBO's Real Time with Bill Maher. He's all over the place in terms of the media, but his thoughts are not all, all over the place, very coherent. And we specifically talk about the Never Trump movement because remember in 2016, he was full throttle Never Trump. Now he's not. He explains not just some of that, but he also goes into this idea of uh, where the Never Trump movement is specifically. We get into Joe Biden, all of that uh, here in the interview. Here it is. How do you classify yourself now? You're not a never Trumper, clearly, but there's some asterisks, I would think. Uh, yeah. what, what are you exactly? <laughs> what are you? I, I'm I'm a Trump voter in 2020. I I told him himself right. I would vote for him. I and but you know I, I still think I've had to be critical of him. I was critical of George W. Bush, even though I voted for him. And the way I look at it, and it, all of my Democrat friends, I can't believe you'd vote for this guy. L look at the policies we've gotten from Donald Trump mm -hmm. versus the policies we would get from Joe Biden. Uh, you agree with, you don't like Donald Trump. You don't want to recognize the policies he's given. Actually, mm -hmm. haven't been outside the mainstream of Republican politics. And I frankly assumed they would have been after 2016, but they haven't been. Whether it's because of him or in spite of him, it's what we've gotten. Uh, with the Democrats, we know what we're going to get with Joe Biden. He is He's the first Democratic candidate in my lifetime, and I'm only 44, uh, to pivot to the left instead of to the right. Uh, in the general election because he's got to get progressive voters on board. And I think if the president can get the economy rebounded without the virus, the radicalism of the Democrats is going to start spooking people. So you're of the belief, and, and I am too, that, that normally you track to the middle. We all know that. But in the general election, you're saying he probably has to go left to get the energy up uh, from, from the Bernie folks and other people. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. listen, you, all of the polling shows that Republicans are more energized for Trump than Democrats are for Joe Biden. The Bernie yeah. Sanders people, the Elizabeth Warren people, uh, they don't like him, and he's going to have to go to the left to try to pick them up and reassure them. And that means he's going to have to have a progressive running mate. Uh, it means he's going to have to have more progressive policies. And a lot of that stuff, I think, will turn off independent voters when they realize, hey, I don't like Donald Trump, but... I didn't think Joe Biden would kill the economy, and now he's gone so far left, I think I'll either sit it out or go with Donald Trump. And either way, I think that helps the president. Yeah. So uh, now that you're down there in Georgia, Stacey Abrams, I mean, do you, don't th do you really think he goes there? I mean, that, that's far left. 
I don't think he does. And the reason I don't is because the number of his uh, advisors who are beginning to trash her in the media, she is outshining Joe Biden. You don't want a vice presidential candidate who's going to get more star power than the presidential candidate and overshadow him. At the same time, she's only ever won a state house seat. She hasn't won statewide. She unsuccessfully ran. They've concocted this theory of voter suppression, which isn't true. Actually, Georgia had a record number of uh, black turnout in, in 2018, record number of voters registered. Uh, and there's a lot of under undercovered stuff out there about Stacey Abrams that would be vetted, and the national press wouldn't be able to ignore it. Certainly, they'd try to dismiss it, but they couldn't ignore it. And when Joe Biden's already out there saying he's going to be a one-term guy, and the Joe Biden of today clearly mentally is not the Joe Biden of 2016, yeah. I think that raises lots of alarms for a lot of independent voters. Eric, let me circle back to Never Trumpers. Uh, what, what do, what's your sense of what they do now? Any sense of what, what they would do? I mean, there's some hardcore folks that are saying, you know, they're either going to go with Biden potentially or, or sit it out. I don't know. What is your sense of that Never Trump movement as it stands today? I don't think it's as large as what the media would have you believe. And in fact, it, it's the recurring usual faces that you see on television. It's very interesting. You know, I, I left Fox in 2017, mm-hmm. in January 2017, and was doing media hits constantly until February of 2018 when I said I was going to vote for the president in 2020. And suddenly the media hits completely disappeared. I uh, have done very little since I said I would support the president. And a lot of these guys are the same ones. They go on TV. Some of them are dear friends of mine. But the common trait is that they're not social conservatives. Not a single one of them cares about abortion as an issue. Uh, to the extent they do, they're pro-abortion. And so it's easier for them to go with a Democrat than someone like me who is a Christian and, and is pro-life and won't vote for a pro-abortion candidate. Uh, they'll go with Joe Biden. And a lot of them, you're seeing some, will try to dismiss the progressivism of some of these candidates, I think it's going to be funny. Let, let's say, worst case scenario, Joe Biden picks a very progressive running mate and wins, mm-hmm. and they prove to be as progressive as many of us claim. Uh, the very same people who will never acknowledge that Donald Trump's done good uh, will finally either have to acknowledge that they really were progressive all along or that, wow, it turns out the Democrats actually did do a lot of stuff I didn't like. Interesting. I wondered about the pushback that you received when you were a never Trumper in 2016. What was that like? And and now that you aren't a never Trumper, uh, has there been pushback? Uh, the fact that you're kind of what they they would term on on the Trump train to a degree. Yeah, you know, so, I mean, we actually had people show up at our house in 2016 to threaten us uh, wow. after I said in my office is, is here and my front porch is right over there. And we had three people show up and threaten us for it. Uh, my kids were bullied in school. It really wasn't a pleasant time. I uh, even, even harassed in church for saying I wouldn't support the president and uh, go to 2018. And I say that I will support the president. And suddenly a lot of media invitations uh, are re- rescinded. In fact, uh, there was one particular news program I was invited to be on the day I said it. Uh, they promptly canceled me uh, after I said I was going to support the president. And I still get this where uh, I, if I cr- criticize the president, which I still do frequently, and, and again, I, I did with George W. Bush, I, I would with McCain or Romney, so I will with the president. And I, I, liberals are just incensed. So you, you seem so reasonable, except you're going to vote for this man. Well, you know, I, I can, you can agree with something that I'm saying because I'm criticizing him and you agree with the criticism, but it's because you hate him. You haven't actually thought it through. Yeah. Um, I can vote for someone I disagree with just as I voted for George W. Bush in 2004, even though there were numerous things I disagreed with him in. Uh, by and large, the policies I got from Bush were policies overall I liked and the same with Trump right now. So mm-hmm. I, we, we've 
become so poisoned, I think, as a society, and particularly people who really do internalize their hate for the president. Uh, and I, I talk about this about the media a lot these days, that I think the media bias you're seeing against the president right now is many of the members of the media have internalized it as a moral crusade, mm-hmm. and they've got to get rid of Donald Trump, which is why they can blast him for the death toll and totally ignore Andrew Cuomo's handling of the situation in New York with the virus, because this is not about Andrew Cuomo or his handling. It's all about getting rid of Donald Trump. Yeah, that's interesting. I say that we're in the age of the correspondent. You know, what are you exactly? You're a correspondent right. by day and then a pundit on CNN at night. I mean, the lines have been very, very blurred. And Donald Trump, you know, warts and all, he's brought out an, an even more visceral media. Uh, and, and we really see everybody expose a lot of the, the hypocrisy out there. I say all the time that the president's unique superpower is he has the ability to make other people behave in the way they claim he behaves. <laughs> that please please expand on that because that that's fascinating. It's like I'm, I have you on the Dr. Phil couch. Explain <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. Tell so, me exactly you know, what you're saying. So, okay, so you take a, a number of the, the people who are still very aggressively never Trump. They believe that the president is a misogynist. You follow them on Twitter, and they make the same sort of misogynist remarks as Donald Trump. Uh, they believe that the president is, a, as I will say on radio, a brain biblical donkey. Well, that's how they operate now. Uh, they say the president is a temper tantrum and, and says mean things about other people. Now you have Nancy Pelosi on TV calling him morbidly obese and very proud of herself for saying it. Uh, if you think Donald Trump behaves in a particular way, you're going to behave in a particular way. It is not a secret that Michael Avenetti went on television and said all these terrible things about how Donald Trump treated women. And now we know Michael Avenetti treated women terribly. Good examples. Good examples. Let me ask you, um, I want to circle back just to one thing you said earlier, which is about, and not that you're going to probably name the media outlet that kind of rescinded that invitation at the last moment, but what was that conversation like afterwards? I mean, what was the, uh, what did you say to them? They say to you, I mean, you would, I would think you would have been frustrated as to what in the world are y'all doing here? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't want to go into names sure. with media outlets, but I, I was scheduled to be on television that day and it got canceled. Now, there was no explanation for the canceling and that happens in live television. Yeah. But no other, the, the will reschedule never got rescheduled. And mm. uh, in probing this over time, it just became very apparent to me. There was never an explicit statement that it was because of Donald Trump, but it became very clear that uh, we need to find people in your position who are Republican and don't particularly agree with the president. It's like, I, that's me. I, I don't particularly agree with the president on a host of issues, but mm-hmm. suddenly went away. I was doing regular TV appearances for one particular network and suddenly no after saying that I would support the president. I, I, and, you know, there will be people who hear that and say, well, maybe you're reading more into it. Maybe I'm reading more into it, but it's every single media hit that I had suddenly starts to go away and they're never rescheduled after doing months of television on a recurring basis just seems a little odd. Very interesting. Two last questions that we're done. Uh, I know you're in Georgia, not Vegas. What are the odds of Trump uh, winning uh, a general election at this point? What, what's your sense? Is this a crapshoot? <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Now, look, I was wrong in 2016, so I don't want to be a, a prophet in 2020. I, I would say I think that you, you do have to understand that I, I don't think the polling is wrong. You do need to look at the state level polling. And if you do, if the election were held today, then yeah, I think Joe Biden wins. But the election's not today. It's in November. And the president has time to see the economy rebound. He's got an incumbent's advantage. And frankly, the president has a huge war chest with which to define Joe Biden. And he 
training hasn't even really begun. So he's certainly got things that he can do and strategies he can employ, uh, but he does need to be mindful of the fact that he really won Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania with 70,000 votes, and he can't afford to lose those 70,000 voters. I want to ask you one last question. It's really a separate podcast. We'll have to do another time, but I do want to ask you about your faith and about uh, evangelicals supporting Trump. Uh, you're a theologian. I mean, I know you, about uh, seminary and all of that. So what, what is your sense of uh, trying to reconcile evangelicals and Trump? What's been the metamorphosis for you? If not a metamorphosis, what's been the path of, of some of your thoughts on, on all of this? So, you know, I've never had a problem with evangelicals supporting the president because I, I got it. You, when your choice is Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, I, I right. said you could sit it out. Uh, I do still really, I'm infuriated by a number of prominent evangelicals who seem to have this transactional relationship with the president where they seem more interested in what they can get from him than a soul. And it comes out in conversations, and, and that troubles me a lot. Look, if you're an evangelical Christian and you're supporting the president because, hey, the Democrats want to not only uh, have abortion on demand but shut down religious schools, I don't blame you for voting for the president. I never have. Uh, but if you're an evangelical saying, oh, I, I know this guy's soul and he's a great Christian, and I, I really do think that evangelicals need to worry about the president's soul more than they sometimes convey that they do. It's, it's not just a transaction. It needs to be a, a lifetime relationship. So it's really more with leadership in, in, within evangelical community, not as much the, the kind of average Joe evangelical. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I can't blame anyone for looking at Donald Trump and a Democrat and saying, hey, he may not be one of us, but he's not out to get us. I, I kind of feel that way myself. Uh, but I do have a real problem with some prominent evangelical leaders who want to make attestations to the president's faith and also then want to say what great things he's given us and don't actually want to say any disagreement. I, I have a hard time, and I've always had a hard time, with Republicans and Democrats, conservatives and progressives who aren't willing to be critical of their own side. Uh, you should never care, wa carry water for your own side. And I do get the sense that at a time the president, frankly, could use some strong counselors around him on faith, particularly given what we're going through right now, hmm. I, I think a lot of them are too scared to actually maybe upset him by, by saying, talking to him about his prayer life and stuff. And I wish they would do a better job of that because then I think that does trickle down in the evangelical community to other people thinking, maybe I don't need to worry about it too much. We should all be worried about the president's eternal salvation. That we can all, that's the pod's honest truth, I believe. That's, that's the transition narcissistically to promote the show. There you go. Uh, uh, Eric Erickson, thankful for you. Thank you. Thank, thankful for your voice as well. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. All right, that's Eric Erickson here on the Pod's Honest Truth. Now let's get uh, the viewpoint from a never-Trumper that is still a never-Trumper. Uh, Tim Miller uh, joined me uh, this past week. He is a contributor at The Bulwark. Uh, of course, we talked about uh, that organization, uh, pretty much a never-Trump uh, type online site. And Tim Miller does a lot of contributing and writing for the site. He's former. He's a former Jeb Bush communications guru, as we said earlier. Uh, and he, he really has um, been able to be a strong voice for the Never Trump movement. He, he has served as a senior advisor uh, to the Our Principles PAC. He's also been uh, a spokesman for the Republican National Committee. But uh, after talking to him, uh, he's basically out. I'm done. He's basically done with the Republican Party as it stands now because of Donald Trump. So we get into that and he explains the state of the Never Trump movement today. Here's Tim. I think in 2016, there was kind of a broad, uh, a broader coalition, particularly on the right of, you know, if you look at kind of National Review World, you know, and, um, and, and frankly, a lot of people on Fox uh, were, were 
uh, at least quasi never Trump or Trump skeptical. Um, and, and I think that a lot of the folks who, who were, uh, maybe reluctant Trump, who, who were maybe never Trump during the primary, but, and never quite came around, a lot of those folks have, have basically slided into Trump's camp, right? So I, I think that what remains of, you know, quote unquote, never Trump now, uh, are the folks who were serious about it. That never who were serious about the name. Never Trump meant never Trump. Like they were never going to be for him. There's not right. a circumstance where they were going to be for him. And, and I think that because um, of that, you know, this group is going to be um, tend to be much more uh, explicitly for Biden. You know, whereas I think in 2016, what you saw was a lot of people who who you know went the route of a pox on both their houses. Um, you know, these are, this is just a terrible choice. Um, uh, and, you know, I, you don't need to make me choose. I'm not going to. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that that has bifurcated um, you know, over the past four years into a group that will be kind of reluctantly for Trump and then a group that will be pretty much explicitly for Biden with, you know, obviously there will certainly still be a handful of people that just spit it out. But um, I, I think that, that the camps have diverged over the last four years. Yeah, so I guess that brings me to kind of like where 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 are you at in all of this? I mean, I know you're <laughs> you're never Trump for sure. Yeah, sure. But um, but like, I'm what do you explicitly for Biden? Yeah, I'm gonna be I'm I'm for Biden. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but how do you and, how do you deal with that? Like in terms of like you know uh, you know kind of Republican Party and now yeah. not morphing, but like what's what's the what's the view on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I you know. It's, been a, a, a rocky five years, right, for, for yeah. somebody like me who, who, you know, I spent his entire life working in the Republican Party and, and 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 still, you know, has a fondness for the party and shares a lot of the uh, founding beliefs and a lot of the beliefs that some members of the party still share. But, but you know, Trump um, uh, has left a, a at least semi-permanent imprint on the party, in my view, um, um with regards to, um, you know, anti-democratic tendencies, with regards to, uh, uh, I think, very racially divisive um, attitudes, uh, anti-immigrant attitudes uh, mm-hmm. that I just can't get, I just can't go along with. Um, I can't get on board with. And so, um, as for me, I, you know, I, I'm hopeful that, um, you know, we can move back to a place in 2024 where there's a vibrant debate within the party and, you know, I'm on one side and, you know, Matt Schlapp's on the other side and we can debate and, but all, but, but be, you know, broadly in the same, uh, vein, but I, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, so, you know, as, as, as far as I'm concerned, when, when I look at 2020, um, Biden is certainly not the ideal person that I would choose to be president if I could, if I could pick anybody in the country to be president. Um, but, uh, He's certainly a better option for me than Donald Trump, and um, uh, and and we'll kind of just see where the chips fall and what happens to the party afterwards. Hey Tim, are you getting a sense that there are others like like you, some kind of higher profile folks uh, that uh, never Trump Republicans, if you will, that are are going to start coalescing around Biden? What are you, what are you hearing exactly? Yeah, I mean, I I think it'll be interesting. What it's different for people who are in the um, shall I say, you know, writing, you know, writing and punditry class, um, you know, uh, uh, for, and, and I sort of have put myself there at this point. I mean, I've started doing a lot more, you know, commentary and less, 
um, actually, you know, being part of, of party politics because of the, the nature of Trump. Um, and so mm-hmm. I think people like that, you know, um, it, it's pretty easy to come around for Biden. I mean, you know, I mean, there's nothing, there's no reason not to. Um, and so I, I think that, you know, when you look at, you know, the Lincoln Project crowd and, uh, you know, the other, my fellow colleagues at the Bulwark, I don't know what, you know, the Jonah Goldberg of the world to do. I, but, I mean, overall, I think that you will see a trend of, 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 of the, you know, anti-Trump, um, you know, former Republican pundits that will be explicitly for Biden. Now, if you, the, the, the calculus is different for people that might want to run for office again, you know, um, because they are, they are looking, you know, at, you know, you don't want to alienate people that, 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 that are, um, that were Trump supporters. So, you know, former Republican members of Congress, I don't know, like, or for members of the Trump administration, you know, your, mm-hmm. your Mia Loves, your Haley's, your Carlos Corbello's, your, you know, Will Hurd's. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I think that, I think that it will be, um, uh, a much, a much, uh, more, a much tougher choice for them. And, and, and the easier place to be might be to, to just kind of not, you know, not choose to sit it out. Um, the Mattises and McMasters, you know, I don't, what do you, what do you get from those folks? Maybe some of them will be explicitly for Trump. I don't, you know, potentially, certainly Haley will be, but, um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, um, exactly when you say bigger names like, you know, the Bush family and, uh, I, I, I just, yeah, uh, I'm not sure that they, you know, the calculus is different. And, you know, if you are, um, you know, an elected official or somebody that, that has been appointed by Trump, you know, versus if you're a commentator. And so um, uh, I'm hopeful that some of them will st- step out. It seems like Flake, Flake, I think, has said that he will be for Biden. Um, so that's one example of, of somebody who will be explicitly for Biden. Um, and I'm, I'm hopeful there will be more, but uh, I don't have a ton of insight on that at this point. So, Tim, do you think that – I'm just curious, if, if we see this coalescing, I think the Daily Beast reported about some you – know, the Biden camp is kind of in talks with some Republicans to try to kind of come out as a Republican yeah. to Biden. I mean, do you, do you get a sense that that, that can, can be, if not a difference maker, something that, you know, the media is definitely going to pay attention to and be a concern for, for Trump basically to say, hey, look, this is Biden, a guy that can, can you know – to yeah. expand a little bit in terms of the the, uh, the you know cross party lines. Yeah, well, it's certainly something that bothers Trump uh, based on his behavior, uh, <laughs> and it's certainly something that the media, as a story the media likes. I mean, uh, you know, they like Republicans being against Republicans, and 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 you know, uh, to be fair, they also like Democrats being against Democrats. You know, I, yeah. I think that you know, anytime you had, that's that's why you know Doug Schoen has a. <laughs> You know, it's still it's still getting booked, right? I, you know, I mean, there's there's a market for that. So, at, at, so yeah, within the commentary circles, um, uh, certainly, I think there'll be interest. I also think people underestimate how important it is with voters. And 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 what I would just I know you're, you're focused on the elite. No, so that's fine. I just want to point you to one one little stat. If you look at 2012 to 2016 uh, and compare the third party votes, huge uptick in vote for center-right third-party people. Uh, uh, Johnson, McMullen, people that wrote in, 
you know, um, someone like my mother wrote in the Pope uh, instead of because <laughs> she couldn't choose between the two of them a lot. You know, you hear anecdotally people wrote in like Pence or whatever, you know, uh, Paul Ryan. Um, yeah. If you add all those people together, if you add all the people that last time said, I can't vote for either of these two, I'm, I'm going to vote for, uh, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a traditional third party voter, I'm not a third party guy, but I I've used, used to be a Republican, but this time I'm going to vote for McMullen or Johnson or I'm going to write in. Yeah. In, in states like Michigan and Wisconsin, um, in particular, uh, but also Pennsylvania, also, um, Arizona, like, those voters this time moving to Biden, that's a, that, that, just that change is enough to flip the electoral college. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there was over a hundred thousand of those voters, the additional center right third party voters in, in mm-hmm. each of those three Midwest states. And, mm-hmm. and Trump didn't win by near, you know, only won by eighty thousand in all three combined. So you know, you're looking at a pool of three hundred plus thousand people and a margin of eighty thousand. Um, you know, that that could be the swing part of the electorate right there. So 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 this, you know, kind of the the universe of never Trumpers moving from the the posture of saying, ah, I hate both of them, to yes, we'll we'll be for Biden. You know, if they can bring if, if the voters that felt the same way go along with them in that move, um, that is an important block, and 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 you know Trump would need to 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 find other new voters of his own to offset it if he wanted to win. Mm, that's interesting. Hey, one last question for yeah. you. How, how has been? What's been the deal as ever since kind of you, if you will, came out as a never Trumper in 2016. Yeah. <laughs> What's been the feedback, the pushback uh, within Republican circles for you? I mean, I know you travel with some folks, I'm assuming, that were supportive of, of what you did, but th- I would think that some of your brethren sure. in the GOP might have been like, hey, what, what in the world? Just we got to get on the train. We can't stand the guy, but we still got to get on the train. Uh, what, what, has there been pushback? And, and I'm wondering in 2020, I mean, you know, are you getting any, any, anything like that or no? Uh, I think that most of my old friends would know that I'm lost, a lost cause, so they don't try to <laughs> convince me any longer. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, look, I mean, I, um, as I said before, I, I, there are a number of Republican politicians that I, I still feel pretty aligned with and that, you know, I, you know, not in a, not in a way that was rude or hurtful, but, you know, that I, I that, you know, it just didn't make sense for me to be able to help their, campaigns or participate in their campaigns because of the potential blowback from having somebody around that was hostile to President Trump. So, you know, it, it, it basically prevented me from being able to do, you know, Republican politics. Now, I'm not – this isn't a – please don't frame this as like a woe is me, you know, no, just no. life. That's a choice. But, but, yeah, I mean, there has been um, um, a, you know, uh, there, you know, there were uh, – you know, career consequences to that, and that's fine. Um, but, uh, um, you know, and, and I think it's, uh, I mean, it's unfortunate, but I, I definitely have had some friendships that have been, have been frayed over this, you know, and, um, uh, Can I ask you real quick, you said career yeah. consequences, you mean, Kai, you're not going to work in, <laughs> you're not going to work in this town again type thing, or what do you, what do you yeah, mean? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, not work for campaign. Look, I mean, I've got friends that are, are running campaigns for, you know, my types of center-right Republican candidates that, you know, in a different environment, I could help, you know, do the things that I do, debate press and communications consulting and, you know, help their campaigns. And it's just, yeah, well, like I said, it wasn't, it's not like they're saying, you know, it's not like they're threats. 
It's right. just there's an understanding that, I, that that doesn't that doesn't work in you know in Trump's party. It's the my way or the highway thing, and you know it's going to be potentially harmful to a candidacy to have somebody um, that's so vocally opposed to the president involved. Mm-hmm. And that was just a choice I had to make. You know, I could have just shut up and done it. There were plenty of there. You know, there are also those people out there, by the way, David. You know, I, I get a decent less and less as the years go on. But but you know, for quite a while, even after he was president, I would receive emails and texts from from Republican consultants who said that they wished that they could say what I said and that they agreed with me. But you know, we're focused on keeping quiet. Um, yeah, fine. You know, that's a choice. Everybody had to make choices um, about that. So, uh, you yeah. know, there's no doubt, though, that that had an impact. Um, you know, if, if you wanted to stay as a Republican consultant for anything besides really fringe candidates, um, you know, part of that deal was not not speaking out against the president. Yeah. By the way, my, just my last question, I know it's the yeah. last one, but just to wrap right. up, uh, do, do you have a, a sense of where the Republican Party goes from kind of a post-Trump world? I mean, yeah. do, do you think this party has been – you kind of alluded to this earlier, but damage, if not forever, uh, for the foreseeable future, or do you think there's a recovery situation? I'm pretty pessimistic. I mean, I, I think that there's been a change. Did you say pessimistic? Yeah, I'm pretty pessimistic yeah. that the okay. party will, will shift away from Trump after this. I mean, number one, I think Trump will continue to have a big voice and a big platform. You know, he's not going to move down to Midland and paint and ride his bike <laughs> like after this is over. You know, he's going to tweet and go on Fox and Friends or maybe start his own network or whatever. So if he loses, if he wins, he'll be, he'll be president. So, um, um, so that's one. Trump's still going to be around. Two, the makeup of the party has shifted. You know, a lot of the voters who were attracted to the more center-right candidates, the suburban moderate voters, have left the party over the past five years. Uh, look at what happened in the midterms. And, and, and in the meantime, by the way, a lot of sort of populist, um, culturally conservative, economically liberal, uh, working class, you know, union types have come into the party. So, you know, the makeup of the party has changed in the last five years. So I, I think that even in the rosiest scenario for people like me, the party will still have much more of a Trump look and feel than it did five years ago, or maybe let's say much more of a populist look and feel than it did five years ago. Um, you know, whether, whether the, the, there's, you know, the hopeful, op, you know, way to look at that is that maybe there's a way to kind of take some of the good parts of that and, and shed some of the, you know, racial animus and some of the other things that, that, that is so off-putting about Trump. Um, but, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm pretty pessimistic that that's possible, but it's, it's possible. A big thanks to Tim Miller here on the Pod's Honest Truth. And of course, before that, Eric Erickson. Hey, folks, some final analysis on the Never Trump movement. Ultimately, this isn't about Donald Trump or Joe Biden, for that matter. This is about the future of America and the future of two political parties. The Republican Party is Donald Trump's party. If he wins in 2020, there may be no turning back for the GOP. Trump may indeed have changed the party forever. Now, for Democrats, they're struggling with a party that desperately wants to go left, but is also desperately trying to be pulled to the center by some last band of old-time Democrats and now these never-Trump former Republicans. The future political ideologies of both parties are truly up in the air, and it leaves never-Trumpers and those independents in the middle in a quandary. They truly may not have a comfortable political home anymore.
either on the left or the right. It's leaving the state of our union, and more specifically, the state of our political parties, in turmoil and confusion, with a fate to be decided in this next election, and the consequences of it that could last for generations. And that's the Pod's Honest Truth. Until next time, America.